Are you going to start with emails or what? Yeah, we can shout out to these peeps. <clears throat> I know we've already talked about it, but we can fake it again. <clears throat> Pretty cool getting emails, huh, guys? Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> now, this is the first time I've heard any mention of it, and I, I think it is really cool. Very cool. <laughs> Very what cool. are your first reactions, knowing, <laughs> knowing now that you're, we're getting emails all of a sudden? Well, my first reaction that I had, am having now, I mean, was just one of joy and gratitude. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Honestly, it was really, really cool to get that. Um, yeah, to see a positive impact on somebody on a deep interior level, that's remarkable, man. I was blown away by it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think all the all the emails that I've um, that I've read. Let's just clarify that by all the emails, we're talking about roughly six. Yeah. Well, all of the emails. Give or take. Thank you. Give or take. Six. About about six. There's no. so many to count. I mean, it's about six. <laughs> well, you could have gotten one more in since the last time you checked. So it's like around six. It's been great. I mean, we've talked about this podcast before as being something fun that we can do as friends. And, you know, we said from the beginning, like, if no one listens, then that's okay. But even, honestly, if six people have gotten something from it, even though we have 11 reviews on iTunes, 12 check, reviews. Check that. 13. 13. 13? That's two more than 11. Oh, that's a that's an even baker's dozen. That's that's, <laughs> that's a pretty high prime number. Yeah, that's Holy a pretty shrugs. high prime number. But uh I would say certainly um want to give a shout out to our our friend Shannon. Uh that that email in particular um struck me of just uh yeah, it was cool that it was a it was a grace from like our time together and our lives that um, Christ was able to use for, you know, his glory, which is in a sense, like the vocation any one of us is supposed to live. And so uh, we got to do it through this podcast, which is pretty cool. So thank you. Yeah. And also I think Audrey gets an honorable mention as well. Audrey. Audrey, that was um, a super funny email that we all enjoyed. So thank you. That was excellent. And yeah, we are better. There's no doubt. <laughs> Had to add it. Had to add it. Um, yeah, I was struck by just uh, how, first of all, how good and mysterious God is that we just basically record our conversations and like last year have a inclination that we should just start a podcast. And my initial fear always, and I think we've talked about this, is that it's like the typical narcissism of the internet of like, oh, isn't everyone just so interested in me that I should just post pictures of my whole life and every piece of food that I eat and like the public will just devour it and like it like crazy and, and stuff like that. Um, which I don't think we're doing necessarily, but it's certainly that's the danger of like, well, we're just so darn interesting. Wouldn't everybody just want to listen to our conversations? But in a way it was kind of, more the uh because there's that that use of the internet or just uh, media in general of self-promotion but then there's also a certain like 
sharing. And I, I was reading this um, this Merton book I'm reading for my comp, uh, comprehensive exams about contemplation, and how he's talking about like, um, you know, this idea of contemplation as kind of isolating yourself uh, in order to commune with God is so kind of inimical to the Christian idea of God that in order to commune with God, you never cut yourself off from other people in order to do that. You may, I mean, physically need to do that, at least, you know, part of your day spend in silence by yourself in in solitude. But even in solitude, his point is, you're always connected to every other person on earth. And that's what's revealed to us in Jesus is that um, in being alone with God, you're together with all his friends and all his children, you know. And so being connected, there's only one God, only one Father, and he's Father to us all. We don't all get our personal Jesus. We don't all get our personal Father. Um, he saves us together, you know. But what a crazy manifestation of that to just put your conversation up online, kind of very minimally processed. And man, lion's share of our episodes are pretty terrible sounding. <laughs> And it would have an effect on anyone's life, much less multiple people, in a positive way. Uh, speaks to the power of his grace and his use of us as secondary causes. But also just cool, the internet, man, how it connects us. Looking at that, my brother screenshotted a map um, on the statistics website that we use to show like where downloads are coming from. Um, I guess if they're registered IP, sometimes they're unknown, but... Most of them, and, and they can just show you like highlighted world maps of like the countries that have the most downloads are the darkest. So the U.S. is obviously like dark, dark blue. But then all throughout like Mexico, South America, Canada's got a lot. Australia adds them, doesn't Australia's it? got a decent amount, like peppering through Europe. Then like some of the Ivory Coast of Africa. Yeah, and, like, Africa. Ones <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. And you're like, maybe oh. these, I got to just think. That this is just freaked out, like somebody accidentally clicked a link, and <laughs> and like some English is coming through their computer speakers, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> There's some gibberish coming through the computer right now. But who knows? Yeah, you never know. Um, and even to your to your point with the contemplation that it's solitude from God, like I I immediately think of like, oh, what about the old school monks or the desert fathers that would seclude themselves and things like that? Um, they they still live in community, you know, even the communities who that live in silence, they're still mm-hmm. around people. But, uh, my thought immediately goes to, I'm, I'm reading CS Lewis's the four loves. And one of the things that he talks about is the love of friendship, the, what type of love that is. And he actually gives like some pretty incredible insights into just the nature of friendship. Um, and one of the things that struck me was how friendship that love, it's not, um, it's not something that you keep to yourself. As a matter of fact, when you try to keep it to yourself, secluded to only two people, then it becomes really damaging because what you do as friends is the natural action of friendship is shoulder to shoulder, heading mm-hmm. forwards towards a mission, towards a goal, towards a, a unified truth. But in like an agape love, you have two people who are turned in towards each other and they kind of focus on this gift of love that they've received. But if two friends do that, then it becomes kind of a disordered type of love. So, uh, Wait, are you talking about Eros love, the turning toward each other? 
Yeah, that Eros or, yeah, that's what he talks about it as, more of a romantic love. Okay. Um, he said agape. Is Agape is not... Agape is, I thought, self-sacrificing love, the love of Jesus. Okay, and maybe... I actually haven't gotten to the agape. Okay. He, the romantic love he talks about is Eros. Right. Which I know... I'm, I'm weary to use it just because... <clears throat> kind of our modern understanding of eros is always connected with erotic mm-hmm. and so it kind of has that that foiled sense of the the sexual drive and mm-hmm. but it, he, he's saying it in obviously the much more pure sense of um the intimacy between a man and a woman between um a married couple um but he talks about the idea of friendship um that love is only grows when you add more people into the friendship because what you have is new people to show different angles or have a different reflection of the person or the persons that you're friends with. So my interactions with you, Father, um, allow Rob to see a dynamic of you and me that he wouldn't be able to see if y'all were just in conversation. Mm. And so when you add more friends to that dynamic, obviously there's a limit in our human capacity. Um, but when you add more friends to that, you get to see different aspects of the human person. And what he did is he equated that to our relationship with God in heaven, that we all get to share in different people's perspectives and different people's relationships with God, because mm. we are all kind of have a different angle and a different relationship with him. It's the same God, but his unique love for us and our unique love for him is shared in the entire communion of saints. So when we talk about like, you know, my personal Lord and Savior. Yeah, he loves me intimately as a friend. But as friends, we all get to share in that. As brothers and right. sisters in Christ, we all get to, you know, it's like a massive diamond. And we all get to see that light that bounces off each one of us. And we get to share in that beauty. Um, and in a strange way, like, that's kind of what's happened with this podcast in a bit. I think we've certainly been able to grow us three here, mm-hmm. get to see different aspects of each other. But that's something that we get to share in friendship to people who are listening that get to see different aspects of us um, coming through the internet. And then we're able to experience them and in, um, in response to that. So mm-hmm. it's just the, the dynamism of God, how he can use a couple of microphones or even one microphone or <laughs> sometimes the microphone of a computer to spread love and to spread his goodness and really the goodness of life. That's remarkable, man. That's really cool. Dogs go to heaven. Goats go to hell. Yeah, that thing about friendship is so important. I think that, like for me, I don't know, I'd be curious to hear about you guys, but for me, the first time I made what I would consider like real friends, good friends, was in college. Like in high school, I had friends all all through, I mean, your childhood, you have friends, quote unquote, but they're basically just companions and people you like to play with. And most of them are like one of my friends I played with the most when I was growing up was the kid next door. Um, but when I got to college was the first time I met uh, guys and girls who were interested in, like you said, Mike, going toward this goal of being whatever the best version of ourselves. We were just excited. It was, it was all around, um, the sort of locus of Catholicism specifically because we're at the Newman Center and that was the group I was running with when I got there being in Bible studies and, and such and such not really knowing what that meant yet but 
I knew that I was moving towards who I wanted to be and it was a good Catholic. And so all of us friends were encouraging to one another and um, like to do things together, you know, we're, we're being disciples together. So like, let's all show up to this event. Let's pray the rosary together. Hey, do you want to go to daily mass every day this week because it's Lent? Sure. Yeah. And we're like making each other better rather than just passing time together, you know? And it was this, um, a friend of mine says, uses the phrase, is it Father Barron says this, the transcendent third or transcendent other, like that between two friends, what, what binds them together isn't so much like their love for each other, but their love for this transcendent third. And another friend of mine observed that, um, he was a little bit older, he was a priest actually, said that the friends that he was still friends with, even the ones that like he wouldn't talk to for maybe months or years, but when he called them back, you know, um, to make contact with them, it was like they'd never, you know, lost contact, were those friends who um, were companions on this, uh, you know, I hate the word journey, and now it's the only word I can use. <laughs> companions on this trip towards heaven. Camino. Okay. Camino. Camino. This Camino. Very good. Um, but you know what I mean? Like they, their love for God had bound them to like a truth that was independent of either of their like goodness to one another or interest in sports or and some club. That's what Lewis hinges the friendship on is heading towards the same truth. Mm-hmm. These are things that, you know, we would call priorities or things that we find to be important. The truth that our heart is seeking towards, that's what friends come shoulder to shoulder together to march forward and you know, try and attain or achieve or whatever. And you lean on your friends. Like when you are trying to, to do, a, like when I started lifting weights in college, you know, I had to do it with friends, first of all, to teach me how to do it um, so that I could get massive and huge. They did a poor job. <laughs> they did a terrible job. Uh, but also like when you don't feel like going, they feel like going. Or when they don't feel like going, you do. So you hold each other accountable and there's this uh, feedback loop of, you know, we're making each other better. Um, so any goal like that, but particularly uh, trying to live a Christian life, you need to have friends around you. And this is why I tell, like, especially teenagers who, if they ask to talk about vocation, you know, any vocation is going to be centered on Christ because God knows you. He knows why you made, he made you. So you have to find out from him why he made you. And so you can have the wisdom to know it and then the courage to do it. But um, the practical things you need in place, I think, uh, just the basics for discerning your vocation are, one, you need to pray every day. Um, So talk to the guy who has the answer. Um, The second is you have to have friends. And in order to have friends, you have to be a good friend, you know. So love the people around you and make friends, you know, And, and choose your friends wisely. Who said that you're the you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with? You know, who are you spending your time with? Um, and then the third thing is to let yourself fall in love, you know, because I know it, you know it. You can't muscle yourself through a vocation or to a vocation through grit and elbow grease. You have to fall in love at some point um, because it's that falling in love. And it's a little bit of the eros, you know what I mean? Um Eros love in that, like, 
you're just captivated by this other person, you know, whether it's Christ or whether it's God's people or whether it's a human being who you want to marry. Um, that's really like the stuff of life, you know, if it's just work and like a job, that's not a vocation. A vocation is like your life has been wrapped up into the life of something bigger than yourself. And the only way that happens, the only thing, way you get absorbed into something bigger than yourself happily and not reluctantly is if you're totally in love, you know? Um, it definitely took me a while to get to that point with the priesthood, but it had to happen. I'm convinced it had to happen or either I wouldn't have done it or I wouldn't be happy doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Have you guys read Deus Caritas S by Pope Benedict? Yeah. I mean, because like the... You got it as soon as you get done. With I haven't the Lewis, read it. Yeah, as soon as you get done with the Lewis book, read it because, okay. I mean, he starts. It's his very first encyclical, and that's in like the first paragraph of of that encyclical is when he, when he says like the the great line of, of his, that uh, Christianity is not an ethical choice or anything like that. It's an encounter with a person. But then he goes on to explain how eros love is in a sense, what we start with as humans. It's but, kind of the fuel of the other loves, right? Uh, sure. Like, that's that's an accurate way, I think, mm-hmm. to to say what he's saying. But it has to be purified through agape love. And not in a sense of, like, oh, you got you to gotta do this. Like, you got to purify it and, and get rid of some stuff and keep other stuff. But, um, like, agape is this great gift to, like, help you become who you're supposed to be. You're spo- you know, in, in your most... Uh, most authentic version of yourself or whatever to become a saint in mm-hmm. a sense, which is really cool. So anyway, when you were talking though, Bisque, I, uh, for whatever reason, I was thinking of the movie limitless with, I love that movie, dude. Bradley <coughs> Cooper movie with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. I've never and seen it. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. And, uh, the, the premise of the movie is that there's this like super drug, this pill that you can take, and it, it moves your brain function from like 20% to like 80%. Okay, I saw Lucy in the theater, and that's the exact same plot. Well, no, dumb. Lucy's dumb compared to this. Lucy I haven't is seen very Lucy. dumb. Haven't, dumb? haven't seen Lucy, okay, not going to see it. She turns into a computer at the end because that's what the most powerful thing on earth is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's so awful. Dumb. That means that humans right now are just like weak versions of We're just of weak computers. Bleep, blorp, bleep, blorp. I am superior. <laughs> I hope one day I can become the supercomputer. <laughs> anyway, I hope Limitless was better. Oh, Limitless was definitely better. I'm not even advocating Limitless itself in this, but I thought of it because there's this part. The first time he like he takes this drug on accident, and his the line in the movie is is literally, and now I see. And like all of a sudden everything is different in in his world that his brain is like functioning at a higher level to the point that like colors are brighter and like Mm. he can notice things he's super smart all of a sudden and things like that but the world is just better like meaning he sees its goodness in a fuller way and that's what i was actually thinking when you were describing like your friendships because that was my experience i have a couple good friends from high school as well and there's a bond there that's very unique because we go so far so far back like they they truly know me in ways that like even friends here might not but college like it deepened much more so because we had the experience together 
of of college living at the fraternity i had a lot of like evangelical friends at the the fraternity and uh there was just that common ground there to kind of set uh set up like an even deeper relationship um via christ which was awesome and even amongst them like my catholic friends there are some of honestly like my best friends that i'm sure i'll ever have because of all these experiences we shared plus what i think what you were talking about like we had that kind of common vision to live for Christ in this particular way. And like for me in life, it's continued to grow. And and in seminary, like some of the absolute best friendships I've ever had have grown here um, just because the brotherhood is so unique in what you're going through together and and everything. But my point is, um, after all that, for me, it's been like a better way to see the world. Like they bring that out in me, true, true friendships, because I think what you are saying is they help you to become yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You find, and this is back to the Merton thing. I think what he's saying is that you don't find yourself alone um, by going off into the woods with your Bible and communing with God. And what am I supposed to do with my life? Who am I supposed to be? You, f- you work your salvation out with fear and trembling out in the body of Christ, which is messy and looks like a bunch of people, you know? And so you, you're, the will of God is given to us as um, the needs of our brothers and sisters. And you, you have needs yourself, uh, which are met by God's grace through other people. And other people have needs which are met through you with God's grace. And so he binds us together in a way through our needs and our abilities uh, and weaves us together in this network of relationships. And then you find your place. You know, Father Hennessy sounds like he had an amazing upbringing, an amazing father. And uh, this Father Hennessy, uh, this sort of sage priest here at the seminary. The venerable. The venerable Hennessy. That's yeah. Right. He says that every night uh his dad would come home from work and they'd have dinner and they're you know whatever they had eight or nine ten kids or something in the house but each of them had the same spot at the dinner table every night and his dad would just go around the table and give each kid like five minutes of his attention at dinner and ask about their day and he said we all had our place you know and in a way that's what life is about finding your place you know and it doesn't have to be flashy or a big deal or like you're the most important. Your place is the most important. It's just that you have a place and the Father loves you and he's paying attention to you. And uh, that just stuck with him his whole life, you know. Um, but you're finding that... Go ahead. You have well, something? The, yeah, the line that I think of, and this is also going to what you're saying, I think, Rob. Limitless? Limitless? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bradley Cooper is the answer, okay? <laughs> Actually, he is crushing it right now. He he is crushing it. But the only reason that movie is good is not they don't play games with like trying to hide in a message or try and like uh, I don't know sneak in some philosophy. It's just like straight up entertainment. We're gonna make these superhumans and then they're gonna like just duel out for money and just it's totally materialistic. There's no depth to it besides that. So you can just take it for the entertaining action that it is, which, which I enjoy, but that wasn't the point that I was going to make. Um, that when friends are heading towards the same truth, they're heading towards the same goal. We say that, and I think it was maybe Augustine says this, that man discovers himself 
by looking to Christ. So man looks at Christ and Christ tells man who he is. So when friends are shoulder to shoulder heading towards truth or truth himself, then he really discovers who he is, you know, and that's why we can't say you're going to discover who you are by navel gazing. You're going to discover who you are by encountering Christ in your brother and your sister that you really meet on the street um, in mass, you know, all these different places where Christ is present that's where you, you go out and you do these things and he tells you about who you are. Now that, that does take introspection. It does take contemplation because Christ is also interior. He's closer to us than we are to ourselves. Um, but it can't be alone. It can't, you can't discover who you are on your own. Mm-hmm. It has to be with others. You look to Christ and he tells you who you are. H- humanity, humanity looks to Jesus and Jesus tells humanity what they are where their place is, where their place is in life, that you're a son and daughter of God. You're my brother. And maybe that's the paradox we've been, you know, talking around this yeah. whole time is that when you have whatever you want to call it, the the courage or just the, the grace in order to, um, like, look and contemplate the face of Jesus and stay focused on, on him, then all of a sudden you're going to find yourself surrounded by other people that he loves. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think we've, we've been in a similar way. We've talked about it on like, you know, maybe, maybe that's why like a eight day or a 30 day retreat is so life giving is because that with Jesus, like these things that may seem to the world to be very lonely, like priesthood as a very lonely life or being a seminarian as a very lonely life. Um, you know, all of a sudden it's, it's fulfilled because he fills it when you're able to surrender to him mm-hmm. in that way um so it's, it's very interesting but well too because you can be you can be alone in a crowd of people absolutely you know? yeah yeah and I, that, I that's interesting that way a lot yeah. um if you don't belong somewhere you're like oh i am so alone i'm out of place you're not you don't have a place here you know um and so i think there's a good amount of people who struggle existential problems because that there's nowhere they go where they don't feel that way a stranger out of place or like, you know, when you went to Guatemala, I'm sure you felt like this. I certainly felt it when I went to Central America, you, you land there and you're like a foot taller than everybody. You've got blue eyes and red hair and everywhere you go, people are just like, what are you doing here? You know, and you feel alone. You can't speak the language and everything. I remember I had a moment in Nicaragua where I literally got out of the airplane and I was by you myself. You had to be a giant. Oh, you're a giant here. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty tall, but like, in the whole way that the airport was set up was uh, the families who were waiting for their family members to come back into the country were on like one side of the glass that you would have to go around and get your bag. <laughs> so I'm like getting out of the airplane. I'm in hiking boots and I have a backpack like I'm going on a hiking trip down in Nicaragua. And I seriously felt like a zoo creature. <laughs> There's like hundreds of tiny little Nicaraguan people who are literally standing and pointing at me <laughs> through the glass. And I'm like, by myself, my family or my older brother hadn't gotten down there yet. Like, this is what zoo creatures feel like. <laughs> Look at him. Like, Look at this Oh, weirdo. he came out from behind the rock. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Well, my point is you can be alone in a group or you can be, you can be fully fulfilled and not alone when you're physically actually alone. Um, and I think that's the point you're getting at. It's like in communion with God, 
um, you are connected to every other person on the planet, every other creature of God. You're connected as a creature in right relationship with your creator. It's when we're not in right relationship with our creator that we feel alienated in his creation. We're like, where is my place in this whole thing? Because I have no idea. I didn't make myself. I didn't choose to exist. I can't believe someone would interrupt us while we're in the middle Dude, of the podcast, dropping, especially when I'm dropping you knowledge. Dropping some knowledge. Are y'all? Are we ready to go? Uh, I'm not <clears throat> All right, this is my time. We're in the middle of a sesh. Do you have to go right right now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're heading down to the Michigan State it's game. Steph. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.